I'm excited to be preaching. Hey, if you're watching online, a special welcome to you. Can we maybe put our hands together for everyone who's watching online right now? Awesome. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to the book of Exodus. Exodus, we're going to get there in just a second. I know I kind of said it already, but I do honestly want to say a happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. Can we put our hands together for the dads represented here tonight? And um, I've only been celebrating Father's Day myself now for a couple years, uh, but it's awesome, man. It's awesome being uh, a dad. If you are one, you know just the joy of, of being a father. And, um, and I think that uh, especially in today's world and in today's age, man, God-fearing dads are something to be acknowledged and something uh, to, to be honored, really, man. Dads that are just uh, loving Jesus and uh, providing for their family, man, and leading their family in a God-first life. And so we honor you tonight if you are a dad. Sean Kernahan, love you, bro. Dad life, me and you, dad life. So, uh, but uh, anyways, hey, Exodus chapter 14 is where we're gonna get. Super excited to preach. It's, it's been a, a few weeks. We've been doing that five for five stuff with uh, which I honestly loved and enjoyed. We already have another five for five uh, in the books for the fall season. And so I'm, I'm gonna be pumped when uh, five more communicators get to preach the word and uh, we're gonna receive from them. But here in Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 10, it's gonna be probably a familiar passage. Even if you didn't grow up in church, uh, you probably have maybe heard this uh, before. It'll come up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. So we got you covered says this out of the uh, New uh, International Version. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified. They cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because that there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? Like, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, just leave us alone. Let us just serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, look, don't be afraid, stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. And the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. Just want to pause right there. That's an awesome promise in God's word right there. Aren't you thankful for stuff like that, that the current problem that you're seeing today in Jesus' name, you will never see again because of his goodness and his faithfulness. Sometimes I just got to open up the word of God. I got to remind myself of that verse right there, that God was able to look at a whole people group who were walking through a really difficult struggle. And he says, hey, you see that? You're never going to see that again. Boy, that's good for my life sometimes. Sometimes I'm walking through the midst of something that I feel is so difficult. God, I don't know when you're going to relieve me of this. I don't know when you're going to take this off. But God's saying, you might see it now, but you ain't going to see it in the future. It's a great promise in the Word of God. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand. Everyone say, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And I'll harden the heart of the Egyptians so they will go in after you and I will gain the glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 19, then the angel of the Lord uh, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud broke darkness to the one side and light to the other side. Wouldn't you like to see something like this? Man, this is some amazing stuff, right? Light to one side, darkness on the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back 
with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water to the right, a wall of water to the left. The Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand. Say it again, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Verse 29, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day the Lord saved the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. You see, God's faithful to his promise. I told you you'd never see him again. I told you what you saw a few days ago, you don't see anymore, do you? God was faithful to his word. They're lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of God displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. If you're taking notes tonight, I know that was a bit of scripture, but I I think God's gonna speak to us. I know God's gonna speak to us tonight. And I, I wanna preach to you on what I have entitled exit strategy. Exit strategy. Come on, let's bow our heads. We're going to pray, and then we're going to receive the word. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we open up Scripture with expectant hearts. God, we open up Scripture wanting to learn, wanting to grow, and wanting to receive. God, I believe that when that is our posture, we will never be disappointed. So, God, I pray that you would do just that tonight. Not just let us be hearers, but, God, let us please be doers of your word, God. And, uh, Lord, we honor you. In Jesus' name tonight. Everyone said amen. Amen. Hey, um, had this thought. Have you ever um have you ever been invited somewhere? Maybe it was a wedding or a party of sorts, a dinner or an event, and 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 you weren't quite sure if this event was gonna be cool or not. Uh, so you went ahead and gave yourself a premeditated exit strategy. I don't know if you've ever done that before. You're going to a wedding, you're like, you know, you got your spouse with you, a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend or something, and you're like, man, I don't really know what we're about to walk into, so we need to go ahead, we need to have like a look or a code word or something that we can share with one another. You know, come on, like four Christmases, mistletoe, right? Mistletoe. And, and so we know, like, if we give each other the look, if we give each other the code word, we know we gotta bounce up out of here. This place is no longer cool. This is no longer where we wanna be. It's a premeditated exit strategy. Maybe it wasn't always like a boring party that you were trying to avoid. I remember in high school, I remember going to certain places at parties or, or around groups of people. And I remember in, in, in an effort to avoid another group of people, you know, that me and my friends perhaps could have gotten into an altercation with, we would go ahead and tell ourselves, hey, let's, we'll go ahead and go to the party, but hey, man, if that, if, if so-and-so and those boys roll up, man, we probably just need to leave before we get into some trouble and get in, you know, it's, things start getting heated, go to blows, whatever. So we would go ahead and tell ourselves, man, if that happens, we need to go ahead and, and, and roll up out of here. I don't know if you've ever had to do that 
in your life. You know, I don't know if you've ever had to plan a premeditated exit strategy to get your out, get yourself out of something that would have been uncomfortable. There was one particular party um, that I was at one time, and uh, I went to this party, and I had just broken up with my girlfriend. This was in high school. I just broken up with my girlfriend, and um, I, what kind of made the whole thing kind of weird is um, I I broke up with her, but then I started dating her sister, and so um, it was. It was, um, and, and guys, I, just, I probably just need to get this off my chest to be honest with you tonight. It was her identical twin sister. And so, uh, and so it doesn't sound good. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. Uh, but, but it's going to help you understand the story. And so here I, it, it really, truthfully, it's not on me. It sounds like more of a family problem. They need to work out amongst themselves. So it's really not on me. But, uh, and, so, and so here I am, right? And in, in an effort to not 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 being an altercation, I see the girl that I broke up with come into the party. I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I'm saying anymore at this party. Things are about to get very, very awkward and heated. And so I quickly had to find the back door and I had to get myself out of the party, right? Things are about to get awkward. Things are about to get weird. I don't want to be in the midst of that. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be just a messy circumstance and situation. I had to find an exit strategy to get myself out exit strategies maybe you've had to plan one before you know and you didn't want to see an old boyfriend or girlfriend around town you had to plan an exit strategy maybe you've had an exit strategy to avoid a, a difficult conversation that you knew was coming up with someone and, and, and so you planned an exit strategy to get yourself out of that you see the thing about an exit strategy is this um, you only need one when you come up against a tough spot that you'd like to get out of like if, if it's not a difficult spot you don't need an exit strategy you're happy to stay there but when it's a difficult spot you you want an exit strategy to get yourself out um there's this old adage and it goes like this you'll know it it says this stuck between a rock and a hard place we all know that stuck between a rock and a hard place like that's the type of situation you need an exit strategy stuck between a rock and a hard place how do i get out of this tough situation how do i escape this difficult circumstance how do i exit this challenging moment. The Bible just shared with us in Exodus chapter 14, a moment just like this with Moses and the Israelites as they're leaving Egypt. If you go back and read, or maybe you heard the story growing up in Sunday school or whatever, here's Moses and he goes through all of this trouble and 10 plagues and everything to finally get Pharaoh to let the whole entire nation of people be released from slavery. Now, here they are, they're on the road, they're moving to the promised land that's out there. God's already promised it, but they find themselves now in a very difficult spot. There's a body of water in front of them and now there's an angry Egyptian army that wants them back behind them. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. I, I feel like some of us can identify with this. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, shoot, sometimes you even feel like you're stuck between a mountain and a hard place, don't you? I Man, I'm stuck between something huge, but I think this is why Scripture reminds us, come on, it's faith just the size of a mustard seed that can say to the mountain, you got to be moved and it shall be done. Faith. You see, I just came to preach to you tonight. Faith is your exit strategy. Faith is the exit strategy for us in tough circumstances. Just as it was for Moses, so shall it be for you and I. Faith will be the deciding factor that makes a way in your life where there seems to be no way. Faith is your exit strategy. Some people look at their situation. They say, God, there is no way out. There's a way out, and it's the way of faith. Faith is your exit strategy. Maybe you've been chased by addiction, lack, depression, Maybe even mediocrity. 
Faith is the door, sub 30, that you're gonna have to open if you wanna get out of that corner. Faith is your exit strategy. I had this thought, it's not a, it's not a nice thought, but I, but I had it right. For many people in the world right now, watch this, life is as good as it is ever gonna be for them until they start exercising their faith in Jesus. Life's as good as it's ever gonna be. Watch this, there will be some amazing doors that some people will never walk through because faith is the only thing that opens that door. I wonder who's living life right now and it's as good as it's ever gonna get for you until you start activating and exercising your faith and trust in Jesus. Start to take bold faith steps in your life. Doors, some doors, they don't get open unless you have faith. That's how they open up for you. So here's Moses, right? Rock in a hard place on both sides, but he has faith. So what does he do? He jumps down in the water, he lifts his hands and the water, the Bible tells us, literally parts down the middle so that they can walk through the sea on dry ground. Sub 30, I wrote this down. If you don't have faith to enter the waters, then the enemy's always gonna have you cornered. See, I feel like that's gonna preach to somebody tonight. If you don't have faith to enter the waters, the enemy's always gonna have you cornered. See, if you don't have faith to start the business that God's asked you to start, then you're always gonna feel cornered. If you don't have faith to to stay in school and on path with that education like you know God told you to a while back when you started, you're gonna feel like the enemy's always got you cornered, always got you limited. If you don't have faith to maybe even make that move and, and go to that new place and start that new thing, if you don't have faith to put the work in on your marriage, then the enemy's always gonna have you cornered, feeling like this is nothing, feeling like you need to get out of this union, get out of this covenant. Sometimes you just got to have faith to step into the waters of belief and trust that God's going to do a miracle. You got to step in. But if you don't step into the waters, the enemy's always going to have you cornered. And there they were. They're rocking a hard place. We're cornered, but Moses had faith and he stepped into the waters. And we see that God moved on their behalf. I wonder how many people right now, maybe even watching online or here tonight, I wonder how many people are backed into a corner of financial stress You're backed into a corner of uncertainty about the future, marriage struggles, family drama, all the while faith and trust in a God that is bigger than you and I can make a way through the sea of despair that you're even in right now. Faith is your exit strategy. I love what the Bible told us in verse 16 that we just read, Exodus 14 and 16. The Bible said this, said that then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me, right? Sometimes God's like, I'm thankful for your prayers, but look, you gotta take a step. You know what I mean? Take a step. You and I can sit here and have a conversation all day long, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have to do something. You have to take a step of faith. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and what? Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that you can walk through. Stretch out your hand. I want you to notice sub 30, stretch out your hand. This is a posture of worship. This is an amazing example in posture of worship right here. I believe that there are some things in our lives that we will only ever get the victory over through worship. Worship is a powerful tool in our life. Worship is an outward expression of an inward belief. There are some levels and some lands that you will never ascend to if you don't have a posture and a spirit of worship on your life. 
This is why what we do in here before the preaching, we, we normally refer to it as worship. Oh, it's the worship and then the preaching. It's not just so that we can listen to a good band. It's, it's not just so, you know, we can all just maybe kind of take a breather and, and really we all come for the preaching, but this is just kind of like the appetizer before the preaching. No, it's giving people who come into the house of God an opportunity to get to the next level, to get to the next land because worship is your admission ticket to the next level. There are some, you, you got to understand that there are some things, there are some battles you will not conquer if you don't have a spirit of worship. I, I truly believe it. Jesus looked at his disciples in scripture and they had a tough time dealing with this demonic thing. And Jesus like, oh yeah, that one only prayer and fasting. I think there are other ones that are only worship. Worship's going to get you through it. Worship, a spirit of worship, a posture of worship on your life. Worship is your admission ticket to the next level. You know, I, I noticed something interesting the other day. Uh, you, you guys know myself and Pastor Keith, some of us, you know, on staff, we'll, we'll travel occasionally throughout the year and we'll go see other churches or preach other places, whatever. And, and so we're in the airport, right? We're traveling through the airport. Pastor Keith and I, we travel together some. And, you know, I noticed something that's very interesting. You know, TSA, any, anyone ever, you know, you know TSA, right? You, you love them, but you hate them at the same time. And so um, you're glad that they're protecting the borders, but then they're so frustrating sometimes. So here you are, and, and right, and so you're doing, you're going through TSA, you got your bags, right, and your carry-ons and all your stuff, and you know, like, it's basically like you're totally getting undressed, you feel weird, and so here you are, and, and you're walking through TSA, right, and, and now, like, it used to just be, for those of us who can remember back in the day, maybe you were really young, traveling with your parents, like, you used to just walk through the one little square one, right, and it either beeped or it didn't beep. Maybe they had the wand on you or whatever. They don't do that no more. Everyone who knows. Now you step into that like big old circular cylinder machine, time machine thing. It's a time capsule. You're like, do I leave something special in here? I don't know. And so, um, right, and it's, it's got the thing, you know, and, and here you are. And so you step in, right, you step into this machine. And then what do they tell you to do with your hands? Here you are, right? I mean, you just, you just got your sweatpants on. You ain't wearing no shoes, and your hands are just up in the air. But what you got to understand about this is this is a brilliant metaphor for what we're seeing in Scripture right here. See, you, you got a ticket. You've paid the price. You got your bags. You got your luggage. And there is a destination that is waiting for you. But TSA is basically telling you that unless you enter in with this posture right here, you will never get to your destination. Oh, I know it's on the ticket. I know God's promised it. I know you feel like that's where the Holy Spirit's leading. But this is the posture that will get you to where you want to go. It's a posture of worship. Someone better help me preach tonight. It's a posture of worship. I know God spoke to you. I know you got dreams. I know you got visions. I know you got good stuff locked up on the inside of you. This is your admission ticket. This spirit and this posture will get you to the next level. It'll open doors. You stuck between a rock and a hard place. What, what do I do, Pastor Clay? My advice, start worshiping. You start lifting up the name of Jesus. I don't feel like lifting up the name of Jesus. Well, it's a good thing that worship isn't circumstantial. I worship God on good days. I worship God on bad days. Some years I find myself worshiping more on bad days than good days, but I still worship. I'm going to worship God. And I'm going to get to the next level because I know there is one. I'm going to get to the next land because I know there is one. And worship is my admission ticket. Worship is a posture of faith. It's a posture of trust. Worship is a posture of surrender. Worship is a posture 
that will open the door for me to get through this difficult time in my life. Worship is your door opener. Faith is your exit strategy. I, you know, I noticed this passage with Moses. This was the first of two times that we see Moses having to stand in this posture. The first one was at the Red Sea. The Bible tells us, God said, hey, Moses, stretch out your hands. Get in a posture of worship. The second one we find later in Exodus where Moses and the Israelites are doing battle against a foreign nation. And the Bible tells us that Moses stood on top of this mountaintop. And as he overlooked this whole battle that was happening, the Bible said that as long as Moses had his hands lifted, they were winning the fight. But when his hands got tired and came down, they were losing the fight. Right? Worship. I love what the Bible says because there, there came a moment where Moses was getting tired. This battle was hours and hours and hours. And here's Moses. He's trying to keep his hands up. He's trying to stay in a posture of worship, but he just couldn't help it. Sometimes his hands are coming down. But the Bible says that in reinforcements were sent to Moses. Isn't that awesome? Reinforcements weren't sent to the battlefield. They were sent to Moses. And so young guys come and they, they help lift Moses Hands up. You th I think there's a revelation right here. If you're having problems with your worship right now, it could very well just be that you don't have the right friends in place to help you with your worship. See, I'm going to do all I can do to stay in this posture, but sometimes I'm going to need some help. Sometimes throughout life, life's going to beat me up. And if you're 20, 25, 30 years old, you've already lived long enough to know life's going to throw you curveballs. It's going to throw you messy situations. And as tough and as long as I try to worship in my own strength, sometimes I got to lean on a Keith. I got to lean on a Robert. I got to lean on a Tyler to help me keep my hands up. Insert groups promo right there, right? Worship. Look, if this posture, if this posture is so important for my well-being, then I'm going to take every precaution I can to keep myself in this posture. I'm going to get the right people in my life to keep myself in this posture. I'm going to get the word of God in my heart to keep myself in this posture. I'm going to get myself to the house of the Lord in an atmosphere of faith and worship. Come on, I'm going to keep myself in this. If it's that important then I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to make sure I maintain this posture of worship to get to the next level. Come on, faith is your exit strategy. If you wanna take some notes down, I wanna give us three things. Three things and we're gonna pray and maybe worship some more before we leave tonight. Faith, faith is our exit strategy. Just three things I noticed as I was reading this passage of scripture. Number one, faith leads you to difficult crossroads. Faith will lead you to difficult crossroads. Understand this, Sub 30, as soon as you said yes to Jesus, you signed up for the fight of your life. As soon as you said yes, frankly, you were a non-factor before then. Non-factor, right? It's, it's, it's a big sports season right now. A lot of soccer on TV, NBA finals on. You know, tonight we've all been watching it. Baseball's on TV, a lot of stuff on TV, right? And, and, and there's something I've, I've known about all these things. Have you ever noticed this? That for, the, for most sports, and you might find the one or two, but for most sports, have you ever noticed this? That there's always more players on the bench than there are actually on the court or on the field. You ever notice that? Like in, in basketball, right? There's, there's five guys on the court, but there's probably like seven more guys on the bench, right? Football. There's 11 guys at one time on the field. There's like 50 guys on the bench just drinking Gatorade, whatever. So, right? 
Right? Like I thought about like Major League Baseball pitchers. There's one pitcher on the mound doing work, but there's like five other guys, pitchers in the bullpen just waiting. And what I've noticed in, in sports, just to use this metaphor, is you know, ESPN, they never talk about the guys on the bench. They, they, they have a lot of coverage, a lot of limelight, a lot of interviews with the guys on the court, on the field who are doing the work. The guys on the bench, they don't get interviews. They don't get a lot of limelight. They don't get a lot of looks. But as soon as their name gets called and then they get on the court, they get on the field, well, now they're getting a lot of coverage, aren't they? The same thing is true with your spiritual life. Before you said yes to Jesus, the enemy had no need of noticing you. You were a non-factor. He didn't have to worry about you doing anything. You were doing nothing profitable for the kingdom of God. But boy, once you said yes to Jesus, once you said yes to the Holy Spirit, you are now in the fight and the enemy's having to worry about making sure you're covered. You signed up for the fight of your life when you exercised faith in Jesus. You are a participator in the game and in the fight. I thought about this, you know, we don't just need salvation once, or we don't just need faith once as salvation. We need faith every single day, right? Every single day I need faith. I thought about it like this way. Faith isn't a wedding dress that you just wear one time when you said yes to Jesus and then you never put it on again. And God gave you faith. It was a gift. He wants it to grow in your life. He wants you to use it every single day. So when I talk about faith, you know, it's it's leading me to difficult crossroads in my life. I, I kind of mean like this, like faith affects, faith affects what I do. Faith affects who I am. I wrote some things down. Faith affects my decision-making. Like my faith in Jesus. I exercise faith in Jesus. God, I believe in Jesus Christ. You were the son of God. You died. You rose again. I repent of my sins. All, all that kind of stuff. My faith, it affects my decision-making now. My faith affects my morality. My faith affects my understanding. My faith affects my vision. I love that one. My faith affects my vision. In other words, now that I'm a person of faith, I can see things that other people can't see. Because my faith has now given me a new lens to see what's coming and how God is moving and what is happening in the earth. Faith has given me a brand new vision. My faith affects my actions. I have fear at times, but I act in faith. I have doubts at times. I go to Pastor Keith and then he always reminds me, you gotta have faith, right? I got doubts, but I got to act in faith. Faith, man, it's a powerful thing. Watch this. Faith will make you draw a line in the sand about certain areas in your life. That's what happens when you have faith. It's going to put a crossroad right in front of you. It's going to make you make a decision about certain areas in your life. Do you want to go down the road of doubt or do you want to choose to go down the road of belief? Do you want to go down the road of negativity or do you want to go down the road of believing the best is ahead? for you and maybe your family and the people around you? Do you wanna go down the road that will lead to destruction or you wanna go down the road that leads to life? Crossroads, crossroads. Faith has now led me to difficult crossroads. I love, I, I chose to say that for a reason, faith will lead. Faith will lead, you gotta write that down. Faith will lead you to difficult crossroads because the truth be told, Moses, it was Moses' faith in God that led him to this rock in a hard place scenario. And now it's his faith in God that's got to get him out. Now, now some people might ask, they look at that situation, they're like, well, Pastor Clay, I don't understand. I thought when we, I thought like when we place faith in Jesus, like isn't he supposed to be getting us out of jams, not putting us in jams? 
But yet it was right, but it was Moses, he had faith, but now he's a rock and a hard place. God, it should have been like he had faith and now he's free. It shouldn't be like faith and rock and a hard place. Like, God, that doesn't make sense. But but then the Lord hit me with this revelation. Sometimes God will lead you through something so that he can destroy what is chasing you. I'll say it again. Sometimes. Sometimes God will lead you through something so that he can destroy what is chasing you. You see, when you get a proper understanding of this, it makes all the difference in the world. God had to take me to the Red Sea so that he could destroy my enemy in the Red Sea. When you start to look at life that way, sub 30, you you no longer curse God because of the mountain that is in front of you. You begin to thank God that my adversary and enemy will not be with me when I get to the other side. This mountain was not here to cripple me. This mountain is here to destroy the very thing that's chasing me. I don't curse the mountain anymore. It's going to be tough and it might be trying, but my enemy won't stand when it's over. God had to bring me to it so that he could kill my enemy in it. Maybe that's the rock in the hard place that you're sitting through right now. Maybe that's the the difficult thing. God, why have you placed this difficult thing in front of me? It wasn't to create a hurdle. It was to destroy the very thing that's been chasing you. To cripple it so that it no longer becomes an issue when you enter into the promised land that God's leading you to. Sometimes he takes me to something so that he can destroy what's chasing me. Number two, the second thing I noticed is this. Faith makes the fight unfair. I love it. Faith makes the fight unfair. The second you said yes to Jesus, sub 30, you have all of heaven's backing in your life. All of heaven's backing in your life. Faith makes the fight unfair. Listen, heaven is like the best big brother you could ever have, right? Any of, any of you like have younger siblings, right? Anybody have younger siblings? You can put your hand up. It's, it's okay. I'm not gonna like make you come up here or nothing. And so you got, you got younger, I have a younger brother, right? He's, he's been around this summer at Sub 30 and stuff like that. I got a younger brother. I have a younger sister as well, right? I remember growing up with my brother. He's just like two and a half years younger than me. So we did a lot of growing up together. And um, I, I remember there's like a principle. And if you're the older sibling, like you know this to be true. Like it's okay for me to mess with my brother, but you cannot mess with my brother, right? I can do whatever I want to do. He's my brother, right? But the second someone else tries to, heck no, I'm stepping in now. You better, you know, like, that's my, that's my, boy, that's what it's like with heaven on your side. But heaven ain't messing with you, you know what I mean? It's not that kind of older brother. But boy, whenever the enemy, whenever the enemy tries to come at you, you got a, you got a heavenly big brother that steps in on your behalf. Faith makes the fight unfair. Oh, it's unfair. It's unfair. See, when it was you against the enemy, you had problems. But boy, when it's you in heaven, ain't no more problems. Faith makes the fight unfair. Faith is fighting on your behalf. Heaven has your back. You can boldly step into that sea. You can boldly start climbing that mountain that you think is in front of you right now, knowing every step of the way that, God, if you have put it in front of me, you will not let it destroy me. God, I'm going to boldly walk through this thing because I know heaven's got my back. I can boldly start this business, God, because I know you spoke to me and heaven's got my back. 
God, I, I can boldly pray in this way because I know you spoke to me and heaven's got my back. I don't, I don't any longer feel like a fool for praying for this because I know you spoke and I know heaven's got my back. Faith makes the fight unfair. That's what happens when you're a person of faith. All of heaven is on my side. I love what it said in verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. Someone just needs to go put their head on the pillow tonight. Whatever has been weighing you to doubt, and the last thing you need to read in your Bible before you say your prayers and shut your eyes is the Lord will fight for you. Are you tired of swinging your arms? Are you tired of trying to get revenge on your own? Are you tired of trying to make it happen? Are you tired of trying to beat the mountain down in your own strength? No, no, no. You sit and be still is what scripture said because the Lord will fight for you. As the band comes and joins me tonight, Number three, the last one, basically culminates all right here, all what we've been talking about tonight. It's this, faith opens the door you didn't even know existed. That's what being a person of faith is. Faith opens the door you didn't even know existed. God sees a move you don't see. Preached about that one time. God sees a move you don't see, but faith allows you to see that move. In the natural, I thought about this in that story. In the natural, not one in the million Israelites that were standing on the seashore that day, not one of them saw the path through the Red Sea. No one saw that. No one noticed that. God noticed it. God saw it. And Moses, through the lens of faith, he saw it. Faith shows you the door that you didn't even know existed. It was there the whole time, but faith was what you needed to open it. Mm, that's good. You gotta write that down. It was there the whole time, but faith was what you needed to open it. I, I don't know, I think there are probably a lot of the, the guys in the room can identify with this, maybe girls as well. I, you know, I, I didn't grow up as a girl. Um, and so, you know, and so I, I don't know, but, um, you know, when you were growing up, I don't know, I think a lot of guys, me and my brother, we certainly did this. You ever like build a fort or a tree house or something like that? Like you had a tree house, you had a fort or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like me and my brother, we had a tree house, right? Some of the neighborhood kids, and like we lived in a few different neighborhoods. And so we would make friends in the neighborhood. And sometimes our forts and our tree houses would look a little different, especially as we were growing up or whatever. But I remember this one time we had this, we had this tree house, right? And, um, tree houses were so fun when you were a kid, right? And like you used to just put all the most random weird stuff up in your tree house, like, you know, like sticks that look like guns and you just put them up in the tree house. You know what I mean? Like I just got all kind of weird stuff. You're like, look at these, we got a whole stack of pine cones. What are you gonna do with that? I don't know, but it's cool. And you know, it's, it's just stuff in the tree house, right? And what you would always do, at least us, what we'd always do with the tree house is um, you always have to have a password for the tree house, right? And like, if you didn't know the password, you ain't getting up in this tree house. Like your own mom would be like, hey, what's up, what you boys doing? Let me see your tree house. Uh, you know the password, <laughs> you know? Because you ain't getting in this tree house, you don't know the password, okay? So, right? Like you are not letting anybody in this tree house unless they know the password. But if you knew the password, then the door would be open to you and everything on the other side of the tree house was free for you to partake in. So, Dirty, let me give it to you like this tonight. Um, Faith is the password that will get you access to the tree, or should I say the cross, and everything on the other side of it. 
There's a lot on the other side of it. Boy, there's, there's goodness on the other side of it. There's miracles on the other side of it. There's new levels and new lands on the other side of it. There is blessing on the other side of it. There is gifts and talents on the other side of it. But it is faith that's going to open the door to that tree and what's on the other side. You see, you can't escape the fact that Exodus chapter 14 is not just a story about Moses and Israelites. It's a story about Jesus. See, I think whenever you're reading in scripture, if you just read long enough and you connect enough dots, it's always going back to Jesus. It's always only Jesus in scripture. You see, all of our points tonight, they all go back to Jesus. Jesus in your life will lead you to difficult crossroads. Jesus in your life makes the fight unfair. And Jesus in your life will open the door that you didn't even know existed. Jesus. He'll open the door to things that you didn't even think were possible, things that you never even thought you could experience, new lands and new levels that if you would be honest with yourself, your dreams didn't even get that far. Always, only, Jesus. Why don't we stand to our feet tonight? You know, if you're in here and simple message really but if you feel stuck between a rock and a hard place right now relationally financially physically or you know with your with your health and emotions and just it could be a million different things i don't have all the answers i know a guy who does but i'm here to tell you tonight what i have found to be true and what i feel like we can see in exodus 14 is that faith is your exit strategy Faith's gonna get you out. What, what, what does that mean practically? It, it, it means you, you just keep believing. You keep waking up, watch this, this is powerful. You keep waking up like today is the day the miracle is gonna manifest and one day you're gonna be right. I found for my wife and I, sometimes that's just how you have to approach every day. Some, you, you just gotta wake up with that expectancy. You gotta wake up with that faith. You gotta wake up with that belief. You gotta wake up with that trust. God, today's gonna be the day. Today's gonna be the day. Today's gonna be the day. And then when today wasn't the day, well, God, tomorrow's gonna be the day. Tomorrow's gonna be the day. Tomorrow's gonna be the day. And that's how I keep living my life. And then the day finally comes when you say, God, I told you so today was gonna be the day. I knew it was gonna be today. I knew you were gonna come through today because faith, played a part. Faith was what lifted my spirits. Faith, boy, it's a big thing. Faith is your exit strategy. With every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, I, I want to address two people in the room. The first one is this, is that if you've never placed faith in Jesus, you don't know what's inside the treehouse because you've never known the password. But tonight you know the password, and it's faith. It's recognizing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He did die and raised from the dead, and that you do want to surrender your life to Him. Just three simple things. It's so, so easy. There's no 12-step program to being a believer in Jesus. Man, it's just, it's just a simple faith thing. But if that's you and you've never done it, 
or you feel like, man, I don't know, maybe I grew up in church and I went to a Sunday school thing one time and I don't know, did I give my life to Jesus back then? Like, I can't even remember. Like, if that's you and you're just totally unsure, then man, tonight, as a, as a grown adult, I would love to just lead you in a prayer as your heart is already recognizing that you want a genuine relationship with Jesus. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna call you forward, nothing like that, but I would ask that you would just be bold enough to maybe lift your hand on the count of three so that I could pray with you if that's you. One, two, three, put your hand in the air. Awesome, awesome. Just keep it up for just a second. No, one, no one's looking around, man, it's just, but heaven sees, man, heaven is recognizing you right now. Awesome, you can put your hands down. Sub 30, I just want us to pray this prayer together. You can repeat it after me. Some people praying, it looks like for the very first time tonight. I just want us to, to pray this. Everyone say, Lord Jesus, tonight I recognize that you're the way, you're the truth, and you're the life. I surrender my life to your Lordship. I thank you that you died and rose again from the dead. From this day on, I am yours and you are mine in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, God, I just want to pray for every individual. Lord, people who feel like they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. God, right now, I pray for them. I pray that their faith would increase. I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to do a work on their heart, God. I pray that every single day as they are in your word, as they are in your presence, God, that your spirit would just edify, your spirit would exhort, your spirit would encourage them. God, I pray that you would give them boldness. Lord, some of them, Lord, that it wasn't an issue of, of belief. God, maybe it was an issue of just taking the step into the water. God, I pray that tomorrow morning they would take a step into the water. God, and you're going to meet them there. You're going to begin to part ways. You're going to create a path. God, we thank you that you do this in our life. Lord, and I just pray blessing over the Sub 30 family. God, we receive your word. God, I thank you that you constantly allow us to grow. And God, we just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness in our life. We thank you for your goodness in our life. God, we know that the best days are ahead. The best days are yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.